Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 286 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and The Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are checking me out live right now. As always, quick reminder, please make sure you subscribe. Please make sure you click that notification button so that you never miss a live video. If you do miss the live show, hey, everybody's got to work. Everybody's got things going on. I get it. I get it. No problem. You can always watch later. But if you want to catch the audio podcast, that comes out the following day. That's Tuesday for your, for those of you paying attention. On my uh, platforms, Montero Unboxing, podca- pe- podcast platforms around the world. If I could only talk today. Uh, still getting it together, guys. It's Monday. Bear with me. Um, so yeah, TNC 286 for the week of October 23rd. Hope you guys had a great weekend and you're ready to go. Let's get right into this news and notes, man. We got a few things to discuss before we get into the review preview. First, some congratulations. Let's uh, hit this applause. So congratulations to my brother from another mother, Mr. Douglas Fisher, on being elected to the West Coast Boxing Hall of Fame. Well-deserved, sir. And it's only a matter of time before Dougie is in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. He is truly one of the best in the business. And I consider it a real privilege to be able to to work with Doug. And I have to give some props to another brother from another mother, Steve Kim. Uh, Steve has been crushing it since he left ESPN. And uh, he was happy to get the hell out of there with the shenanigans going on at ESPN And he has been on Jason Whitlock's show, Fearless, recently. I don't know if you guys pay attention to uh, Jason Whitlock, but he's one of the last few real sports journalists out there in the United States doing real work that actually matters and is making a difference. And he's gone his own way recently. He has a show called Fearless. My man Steve has been a guest on it increasingly lately. But uh, last week, Steve actually went out to Nashville, Tennessee, where Jason lives and where his home studio is, and he does a show. And uh, Steve visited with him in studio and did a couple episodes of Fearless with Jason right there, you know, live in person. And they were both great episodes. So make sure you check those out, man. Go to YouTube, check out Jason Whitlock's stuff. I lo- I think Jason's great. And I don't agree with everything he says, obviously. I don't agree with everything anyone says. But I think overall, his point of view is pretty good. And um, I-, I love that uh, Steve has been working with him. They have great chemistry together. And Steve fits in very well with what uh, Jason's doing. So just wanted to give my man uh, Doug and my man Steve some props. I really, really have considered it an honor and a privilege to be able to get to know those guys as human beings and work with them. And uh, just two awesome guys that are two of the very best in the biz. All right, uh, let's talk about fighters. Fighters not fighting, So, uh, which is a common theme in 2021, especially with American fighters. Now, uh, Ryan Garcia, remember him? Yeah, and I, I get it. He had the, the most impressive win of his career earlier this year against Luke Campbell. I get it. All right. Okay. But come on, guys. He's pulled out of more fights. If only he pulled out of women as, as much as he pulled out of fights, he might not have so many alimony payments uh, that he's going to have to worry about for the next 18 or so years. Ryan Garcia breaks his hand in training in that fight with Joseph Diaz Jr., which I was looking forward to because that was a real good step up. And that was a, I'm, that was a 50-50 matchup, in my opinion, man. Uh, that fight is off for now. So Joseph Diaz Jr. went at it a little bit with uh, Ryan on Twitter. He said, I think, uh, don't quote me, but something to the effect of Ryan Garcia is a bitch. 
when you saw that um, Ryan had pulled out. And today, Ryan, uh, maybe it was late last night or today, posted a photo of himself in the hospital. And again, not quoting here. This is uh, paraphrasing. He said, brother's about to go under surgery. So uh, I guess he's getting that hand fixed and he'll be back in the ring next year. Just that, you know, and then it, all this comes on on the heels of the video. I'm sure you guys have seen it on Twitter. I'm not even going to show it on my damn show here. But there is a video uh, this weekend at the fights that the zone broadcast where Devin Haney and Tiafima Lopez are jawing at each other. Their fathers were right there. It really looked like it's standing next to Chris Mannix, who's my height. He's a, he's a legit 6'3", 6'4". Chris Mannix is a, is a big guy. Um, and then Sergio Mora was there. He's, he's about six feet tall. And you just see these two little dudes. And look, there's some little dudes out there that are the baddest mofos on the planet. You don't mess with them, right? But these two little guys just don't come off that way, particularly Devin. They come off just like his kids, man. And I know they're young. But they're not that damn young. I mean, they really, really looked like they were like 17, 18 years old and just didn't know what the hell they were about and where they're going in life. It just looked like they, they looked like they needed a camp counselor to guide them through through life right now. And that's why their dads were right there. And they're just yapping at each other back and forth. And, and again, paraphrasing. OK, don't quote me. But Devin Haney basically says, hey, man, I got more social media followers than you, T.O. So top that. And, and T.O., to his credit, says, well, I, I got more belts than you. And that was like shows over. That wasn't even like a 10-9 round. Like Canelo beat Caleb Plant at that press conference. That, that was a 10-9 round for Canelo, okay? This was a knockout. When T.O. said that, because it's true, T.O. actually earned his belts, and he got ripped off of one belt from the B.C. and the shenanigans they pulled with Lomachenko and the franchise champ thing. But he fought, what, Nakatani, Kome, and then uh, Lomachenko. So that those three fights in a row, you know, pr- there was a progressive build there. And he won those titles fair and square, man, and legit titles. And he is the champion at 135. There's no denying it. it o- only haters would deny that he's the guy right now at 135, although he's had an extremely disappointing 2021. Let's not get it twisted. And I'm disappointed in him right now myself. I think a lot of fans are. But Devin Haney saying, I got more followers than you. <laughs> that is just so indicative of, of this, the, this culture right now with young fighters, particularly young American fighters. And I think it's all young American athletes. Uh, you know, you, you hear young American athletes talking about uh, how they grew up disenfranchised and they're from the hood and they're this. Let's just be honest. I'm an American. I love my country. Okay. I served my country. I I served in the Marine Corps. I'm very proud and I'm a patriot. But we are the most spoiled, pampered motherfuckers on earth. That's just the bottom line. And these guys, you know, I grew up in the hood. Like, shut up. You had a smartphone, you had internet, you had plumbing and electricity. Your father had rims on this car. Okay. You did not grow up in the hood travel a little bit to other parts of the world and see what people in the real hood in the third world go through and check your shit. So when I hear people talk like, especially little kids that are like 22, 23, ain't done shit in their life yet. Talking about that. So just, and now people are measuring their dicks, the length of their dick, the turgidness of their dick by how many social media followers they got. It's like, God damn dude, get in the ring and fight. All right. That's it for news and notes. (laughs) 
I should have called that news and rants. All right, we already got a couple phone calls, so let me jump to this shit. All right, now that I've you know triggered and offended half of you out there, let's jump to the phones. <laughs> got a couple calls. Real quick, real quick, all right? 513, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, Mike. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Neverette's performance over the weekend. That was a really fun fight. Hell yeah, it was. Yeah, I was about to get into that, but go ahead, take it, Andrew. Yeah, uh, I, I, first off, I mean, this, I mean, every time he comes out, I mean, it's just it's electric, it's exciting. I mean, he's he's really good fighter too. I, I'm just the thing that's kind of frustrating about Top Rank. You see them like I know we're going to talk. There's another guy fighting this weekend, Shakur Stevenson, mm-hmm. who last time out was real boring. Mm-hmm. He's really good kind of boring i just don't understand why the promotional push is just not behind Navarrete like it is some of these other guys <laughs> it's a great point Navarrete, say what you will the guy fights pretty often he's he's busy and when he gets in the ring it is entertaining he's not as under he's not as fundamentally sound or as skilled or as athletic as a shakur stevenson but so far i know which one i'd rather watch in the ring yeah, and, you know, also, just like, you know, he's just so long, and that guy, like, it was like one of the crazy, the most competitive, uh, the way I kind of described that uh, Neverette Gonzalez fight, is the most competitive 9-3-10-2 fight you'll ever see. Yeah. Because it's hard to give Gonzalez a lot of rounds, because Neverette just never stops hitting him in the face, even whenever Gonzalez gets some good offense off. It's just, it's just an onslaught. It just never ends. I don't know how Gonzalez ended that fight on his feet, though. <laughs> I mean, credit to yeah. him, but I don't know how he did. You want to talk about balls? I, I think, you know, Deontay Wilder got a lot of credit a couple weeks ago for staying on his feet as long as he did. How about Gonzalez? How about Joe Gonzalez with a huge, a bad cut in that eye in the second round, uh, taking hard punishment from a bigger man, longer, taller man, and he stayed on his feet, and he didn't get dropped. So he deserves some credit. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Joette Gonzalez, I think he proved he can give any, uh, you know, I mean, maybe if he fought, uh, you know, maybe these inactive guys with the WBC and WBA, Leo Santa Cruz or uh, uh, Gary Russell Jr., he, mm-hmm. he might actually beat those guys. I mean, he, he, he proved that he, he can hang with the best at featherweight. There's no doubt about it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm a I'm gonna put my pick in. Hopefully, you can calm me down for the, this weekend's big fight. I'm you know real excited, Herring Stevenson. But uh, I I just can't shake this feeling. We're about ready to see our first robbery in a few months. We haven't seen the uh, messed up scorecards. We've had some upsets. Mm-hmm. No no weird, really weird scorecards that swing the fight the wrong way. And I just we're due for it. And I I, I don't want to happen it to Jamal. Hopefully, you can calm me down. Man, you know what? You might be on to something there, Andrew. I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes, but you might be on to something, my friend. Yeah, I'll hop off here. Uh, I, I appreciate you taking my call. All right, man. Have a good one. John Uden in the chat says, uh, imagine Navarrete versus a prime Leo Santa Cruz. That'd be a fun fight. That would be a very fun fight. Lots of punches. All right, we had another caller, but they dropped. So we're going to get into this uh, fight review. And we had some fun fights this weekend, man. Uh, None of these were, you know, huge blockbusters or anything like that, uh, top names or anything like that. But we had some fun fights. 
Uh, let's start uh, Friday, October 15, with really, I told you guys last week, this was going to be, this was the best matchup on paper of the weekend. I think it turned out to be that um, live. Top rank on ESPN Plus, Pachanga Arena, San Diego, California. Emmanuel Navarrete, unanimous decision over Joet Gonzalez, who was cut from a punch in round two. This was the second defense of Navarrete's WBO uh, featherweight title. Exciting fight, good action, one-sided. I mean, the the winner was never in doubt, and, and you, you didn't really get a sense at any point that Gonzalez could hurt Navarrete. So after, I don't know, this the middle rounds going into the late rounds, I mean, there was a part of me, there was a part of me, hear me out, that was thinking, why is this fight continuing? At the same time, Gonzalez was being competitive. He was landing shots. You know, he was getting shots in there and he wasn't getting so beat up and so hurt to where I thought maybe this could be a career ending kind of beating or anything like that. So good, entertaining fight, albeit a one-sided one. Now let's talk real quickly. I mean, Joe Gonzalez, he had one loss. I talked about this last week. Um, he has improved since that loss. He had that shutout loss to Shakur Stevenson. That was what, a year or so ago? I think he showed improvement. Now, it's easier to hit Navarrete than Stevenson, but I think he has shown that he's learned on the job, and you need guys like him to go up against the top elite-level fighters, and maybe he'll always come up short, but he's going to bring it, and he's going to make for action, and you can put him in there with a prospect to see if he's going to be a, a pretender or a contender, right? So you need guys like Joet Gonzalez, and super competitive guy who always brings it, so I'm a fan. Let's talk about Navarrete, though, real quick. Ring, right now, our rating's at the ring. We currently rate Navarrete number one at 126. Kid Galahad, number two. And Mauricio Lara at number three. And just because of the promotional situation with all the fighters involved there, do we get any of those fights? Can we get Navarrete versus Galahad or Lara? Is it possible? Is it likely? Possible is one thing, but is it likely? Is it probable? Possible? Versus probable. I don't know, man. To, to me, this division feels wide open right now. It kind of feels like a mess without one face of the division. And I think you need that, particularly in the smaller weights. You need that, right? At heavyweight, you know, everything gets exaggerated. You can have a bunch of different characters and stuff, and it can kind of be open, and it's really okay. It helps if you have one guy at the top, but it's not as necessary, I feel. But, man, those lower weights, you need a guy at the top where you know clearly, like, this is the guy in a division. And we think that's Navarrete. But we got to see the fights, man. We got to see a fight versus him in the number two or him in the number three so that we can make a champion. And I just don't know if we're going to see that anytime soon, which is uh, a disappointment. You know, I, I hope it can be made. Uh, also on this card, San Diego na native Giovanni Santillan. Uh, proved to 28-0 with 15 knockouts. He is a prospect out of San Diego, welterweight prospect, with a unanimous decision win. So uh, that was a good win for him in front of his hometown fans. Not too many fighters from San Diego, you know. Um, it's like, it, it, in theory, you would think there'd be a lot of fighters from San Diego uh, because it's it's right there. It's Southern California, right? The hotbed of boxing in America. And it's on the border with Mexico right there. But I don't know, if you guys have ever been to San Diego, it's probably the nicest city, the nicest big city in California. It's a very um, white-collar, um, middle-class kind of city with, with money, you know? And I just don't know if it's conducive to producing 
fighters. It doesn't mean you can't. And there have been some great fighters from San Diego in the past. I just don't know how many you're going to see these days. But I do think you're going to see more and more fights there because the demos are all there. There's money in that town. And um, there, there is, you know, there are sports fans. It's not a huge sports town, but I do think you're going to see more fights there. All right. Uh, Saturday, October 16th, there was a few fights around the world. Marius Bradis in his first fight of 2021 scores a TKO3 win over Arthur Mann, uh, defends his IBF cruiserweight title in his home country of Latvia. He needs to get back in the ring ASAP. Let's see him back in the ring by the end of the I'd love to. If we could see him in the, in the ring in uh, December, that'd be awesome, but uh, probably not. But hopefully he gets busy next year and fights three times in 2022 because I really think he's an underrated, underappreciated fighter. Needs to get in the ring and get more busy. Uh, Huey Fury, Chris Eubank, and Savannah Marshall all got stoppage wins in Newcastle, England. Uh, I was most impressed, I got to say it, with Savannah Marshall. and. Um, you know, Chris Eubank continues to do his thing. Huey Fury continues to do his thing. I'm not that excited about the two of them. I think a lot of it for them is, is name recognition and stuff, although they have some tools, especially Chris Eubank. But Savannah Marshall, she fought a girl that Clarissa Shields fought and couldn't hurt, wobble, drop, stop, none of it. And Savannah Marshall just steamrolled her. So, um, yeah, Savannah Marshall's naturally much larger and everything. I, I, I get it. But pretty impressive win for her. So, if Savannah Marshall continues to do her thing and Clarissa Shields continues to do her thing, perhaps one day we have a female super fight on our hands that truly is a super fight because Clarissa Shields fight with, uh, who was it? Oh, I can't think, uh, Christine Hammer. That was billed as a super fight, but it wasn't. Hammer was vastly overrated. That really wasn't a super fight at all. But if Savannah Marshall could continue to fight and stack up wins, hasn't had the resume yet, you know, strength of opposition that Clarissa Shields has, but if she can build up her resume a bit and really prove herself as, as a top pro, the two of them together in a couple years, that's a female super fight, man. All right. And then there was a matchroom USA card on the zone from Chuck, Chuck park in Fresno, California. And uh, real quick, we'll jump to the main event. Jonathan Gonzalez, a Puerto Rican native uh, who now lives in the Bronx, Scored a split decision win over Elwin Soto in a minor upset. Soto, of course, from Mexico. This is this was his first loss since his third pro fight, which was one of those learning on the job kind of losses. So you can kind of you know brush that aside. This is really his first loss once he's been on the scene. And of course, um, he had a title going into this fight, a a junior flyweight title that Gonzalez took off of him. So. Uh, one judge, Daniel Sandoval, somehow had this 116-112 for Soto. That was not the right score. The other two judges had it correct uh, for Gonzalez, 116-112. You know, close competitive fight, but I thought that Gonzalez won it. And in a battle of Puerto Rico versus Mexico, Puerto Rico has not done very well in that rivalry lately. So Puerto Rico really needed this one. <laughs> and, and now uh, Gonzalez has the WBO 108-pound title. Also on this card, though, and this is the one I really wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm sure you guys will have some opinions about this on the phone, but Sandor Martin, 28-year-old Spaniard, the Spaniard, gets a majority decision win over Mikey Garcia in a 10-round welterweight fight. Somehow, Zachary Young, uh, Los Angeles ju judge, had this uh, tie, 95-95. I, I guess you can make an argument for that if you gave Garcia the swing rounds. 
The other two judges had this 97-93. Maybe those were a tad wide. I, th I thought this was 96-94 for the Spaniard. I thought that he did enough to win. And Tom Gray, the great Tom Gray uh, with Ring, he, um, in our Ring Ratings Committee chat this weekend, you know, he, he said, because a lot of people talk about Euro-level fighters, right? The, the Euro-level fighter. And he, he said, paraphrasing Tom, he said, basically, it's time to end this Euro-level talk because we saw what a good European fighter could do against a good American fighter this last Saturday. And that's a great point by Tom Gray. I think that it's time to let go of that stereotype that just because you come from Europe, whatever part of Europe, whether it's England or Spain or Greece or whatever, uh, that you're going to be this straight-up, light-hitting, amateur-style fighting guy as I talked about, you know, in the last couple of weeks, specifically with the Fury Wilder trilogy, I talked about Josh Taylor. These guys, you know, they're learning to vary up the skills and, and do some crafty things in there. Uh, this was pretty much a, a paint by numbers kind of performance, though, from Martin. He, he just he touched Garcia and Garcia really couldn't respond. Um, and I thought he deserved a W. And I, I, I agree with Tom Gray that this whole European level fighter. It's time to crush some of that and get rid of some of that. All right. Let's talk about Mikey Garcia for a moment, huh? And I want to make something very clear. I got nothing against Mikey Garcia. Nothing at all. All I do is tell the truth about fighters, my truth, the way I see things. And for some reason, there are people out there who take these things way too personally. And you guys know that I cut my teeth in this business in Los Angeles. I lived out there for a decade. And remember in 2014, between 2014 and 2016, Mikey Garcia didn't fight for a while because he was beefing with top rank, right? So he was out of the ring. When he came back, everyone's excited. Everyone's just, oh my God, this is great. Mikey Garcia is back. And boom, he goes back on pound for pound list. Somehow he's in the top five of pound for pound list. And I'm not talking about some crazy whack job on YouTube or some kid that just started watching boxing. I'm talking guys who vote for the International Boxing Hall of Fame every year had Mikey Garcia number three under pound for pound list and stuff. You guys know the names. And I'm sitting there th saying, what the hell are these people seeing? What are they seeing that I'm not seeing? I have two eyes. They work. I'm just not seeing it. I, I, I don't know. And I took a lot of heat being in Southern California, specifically Los Angeles, and daring to criticize the great Mikey Garcia and you know, saying things like, I'm not that excited to see him in the ring until he fights somebody who's elite. Oh, my, Mike, you, Michael Montero's a hater. Michael Montero's biased. Michael Montero's this and that and the other, right? And it was almost sacrilegious. And, and, and fellow colleagues in the SoCal boxing media, in the SoCal boxing business space, really, really took it to me. And I took a lot of heat for that. Now, fast forward six years or so, now that he lost to a quote-unquote Euro-level fighter, now everyone's beating the shit out of Mikey Garcia. Now it's everyone's favorite hobby this week. Now that it's safe. I feel like we've been here before with other issues. <clears throat> Ronda Rousey, <clears throat> Floyd Mayweather, IV Gate, <clears throat> Deontay Wilder's resume, <clears throat> Adrian Broner's resume. I could keep going. I feel like there's a few of us. I'm not the only one. There's a few of us who tell the truth about some of these things when it's not safe and we get beat up for it and we get labeled all these names and people try to cancel us on Twitter and there's these movements to get us out of boxing. And then a few years pass and it turns out we were right. 
And then everybody jumps in because now it's safe. So if you want to criticize Mikey Garcia's thin resume right now, don't worry. You won't be called a hater or any of these other words that get thrown around and abused and misused and overly used in our society. It's okay. It's safe now, guys. You can come out and say it. But if we look, and by the way, I'm not just pulling this out of my ass, okay? UCN Live, where I used to host the show 10 Count and, and be a guest analyst sometimes. I remember we did an episode. I don't remember specifically what it was called, but there was an episode where we discussed the return of Mikey Garcia. And there was a, a member of the panel uh, that said, man, I'm excited that Mikey's coming back. And I said, I'm not. I don't give a shit is pretty much what I said. And I got labeled a hater. And I, I'm talking probably 2015, guys. This goes way, way back. <clears throat> let's, let's have a brief rundown of Mikey Garcia's career, okay? Now that it's safe, now that we won't be called a bunch of nasty words, we can say it safely. In 2021, I took down some career highlights for Mikey Garcia. You guys ready? Here we go. He turns pro in 2006. In his 31st pro bout, I should mention, signed with top rank. Top rank builds him up from a prospect to a contender to a title challenger, which top rank still to this day does better than anybody in the business. 31st pro fight fights Orlando Salido for the WBO featherweight title wins. And you can make an argument, this was in 2013, that this was the best win of his career. You could still make that argument today. That was eight years ago. Keep that in mind. Anyway, in his first defense later that year, Loses the title on the scale. So wins that fight, the fight that he uh, came in overweight, but lose, lost the title. Moves up in his very next fight to 130. And uh, that was also 2013. At the very end of the year, fights Roman Gonzalez. Beats him. Defends that title once against Juan Carlos Burgos in 2014. Then the contract dispute with top rank. Real quick tangent. Top rank. Look, I'm Sweden on this shit, okay? I I have no horse in the race when it comes to a promotional outfit. I don't give a damn. I don't get any of their damn money either way, right? But I think one thing that is beyond debate, Top Rank has been in the business for decades. They do build prospects into contenders, into title holders, into champions, probably better than anybody in the business. But also, they pay their fighters at market rate. They do not overpay their fighters. Won't do it. Never have, never will. And some people take the, take offense to that. Mikey Garcia took offense to that. He thought at that point he had beat Orlando Salido and beat Roman Gonzalez, won two titles, defended one once, lost the other one on the scale, and that was enough for him. Now he's a superstar, and he wants out of top rank and his market rate pay and his tough matchmaking. I mean, top rank will take their time building and developing you but when you get to that certain status, they're going to match you tough. Mikey didn't want none of that. His prerogative, his career, his life, he's the one getting in there, taking the punches. Totally understand. No issue there. And he tests the market out, right? And it was worth it for him to sit on his ass for two years of his prime. Ends up signing with Premier Boxing Champions. And the one thing you can say about Premier Boxing Champions, like them, love them, hate them, whatever, they overpay their fighters. They pay their fighters better than anybody in the business when it comes down to market rate. They kind of pay over market rate. We see it a lot, right? And they put their guys in controlled situations, in cherry-picked type of title snatches and grabs. They're not the only ones. 
but they do it better than anybody else and they get their fighters paid. That's what PBC does. And that's where Mikey decided to go. Comes back in 2016. Now he is a lightweight in just his second fight back. He goes up against Dijon Zlatikanen. Remember him? He had the WBC 135 title and Mikey just crushes this dude, flatlines him, knockout of the year contender. And everyone's like, oh my God, Mikey Garcia is back. Look at that knockout. He just destroyed the all-time great future Hall of Famer, Dejan Zlatikanen. He's the hardest puncher in lightweight boxing history. Sound familiar? <clears throat> Deontay Wilder. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> just clearing my throat. So Dejan Zlatikanen, by the way, he is two and two in his last four fights since the Mikey Garcia fights. A little short of that Hall of Fame all-time great kind of credentials. We'll pump the brakes on Zlatikanen real quick. Anyway, Mikey Garcia, zero title defenses of this WBC 135, avoids a 50-50 fight offer from Golden Boy Promotions to fight the legitimate champ at that time at 135, Jorge Linares. Now, remember him? Remember the run he went on for a few years where he fought all over the world? And he wasn't necessarily fighting a murderer's row or anything, but he was seen as the top lightweight at the time. He held a ring title. He was seen as the lineal champ. He was the guy at 135, right? And there is back and forth between Golden Boy and PBC to get these two to fight. Because let's face it, in Los Angeles, a fight at that time between Mikey Garcia and Jorge Linares would have been good business. And Golden Boy wanted options and they wanted a rematch clause. And there's all this. And finally, they settle and they're like, all right, look, 50-50 for a one-off. No options, no rematch clause, none of that. 50-50, boom, here it is. Guess who didn't take the fight? Guess who was advised? to go in a different direction. I'll give you a hint. It wasn't Linares. So <clears throat> what does Mikey Garcia do? He moves up to 140, doesn't defend that 135 title, yet somehow the WBC allows him to keep it. Keep that in the back of your mind. Moves up to 140, fights Adrian Broner, the all-time great four-division champion Adrian Broner, one of the best fighters of all time, and then fights Sergey Lipinets for the IBF 140-pound title. Wins that. Now, that was in 2018. Okay, so all this time, 2016, 2017. Now we're in 2018. He beats Lipinets for, uh, for the IBF 140 title, right? Zero defenses. Doesn't defend it. No, no, no. Goes back down to 135, where somehow, despite the fact that he never fought a mandatory defense in a year and a half, the WBC allowed Mikey Garcia to keep that lightweight title. I know, crazy, right? Moves up to 140, fights for a title, fights for a title by a different organization, and the WBC allows him to keep that 135 title. Now, I'm not that smart, but I'm just guessing here that somehow Mikey Garcia being from Southern California, Mexican-American, WBC being headquartered in Mexico, I'm just guessing that there's some connection there. And at the WBC, kind of bent their rules a little bit so Mikey could keep that title. Anyway, moves back down to 135. Who's the man at that time? We're talking 2018 now, right? Vasily Lomachenko. Remember him? Remember at this time, all the Lomachenko haters? Lomachenko had just beat Linares. It was at that time seen as, by many, as the pound-for-pound pound number one guy. Maybe number two, number three, but he was near the top of the pound-for-pound pound list. And a lot of people out there wanted to see a fight between Mikey and Lomachenko. And again, in Los Angeles or in Las Vegas, that's a big fight. Even in New York, it could be a big fight, but particularly on the West Coast. That would have been a pay-per-view worthy fight. Guess who didn't want the fight? Guess who found out a way 
not to make it happen. Moves down to 135. And what's he do? Challenge Lobachenko for the undisputed 135-pound crown? No. He fights Robert Easter, who had the IBF title. And this was considered a unification fight because, remember, despite not defending that WBC title for a year and a half, despite never having fought a mandatory or defending that title, he still had it. So technically, he unified his WBC and IBF titles. So briefly, technically, Mikey Garcia was actually a unified champion at lightweight. And that's going to be used to get him in the Hall of Fame one day, even though I've clearly explained to you why it's complete and utter bullshit. After that, moves up to 147 to fight Errol Spence. And again, everybody wanted to see him. He was a unified, quote-unquote, champion at 35. Loma was seen as the lineal, legitimate champion. Everyone wanted to see them two fight. No reason it couldn't happen. What's he do? Moves up to 47 to fight Errol Spence. Now, a lot of people said he moved up two weight classes. Not exactly true because he had fought at 140 once. Remember that for that one-off? So technically speaking, he moved up, down, and back up again. But he had already fought at 40. So it's not as if he had never fought north of 35. And it goes up to 147 and fights uh, Errol Spence. And big event, over 50,000 people in attendance. And I could tell you as a guy that was there during fight week, good crowd. And I was there for several Mikey Garcia fights. Uh, his fight with Easter, that was another big crowd. Uh, so, so Mikey did do some, some crowds. He was actually a part of doing some good crowds. And especially that fight with Spence. That was a really, really fun event, but completely shut out. Now, that's in March of 2019, right? Completely shut out. Nobody needed to see that fight. It's a fight that made no sense at the time. There were bigger fights to be made for both of those guys. Everybody would have rather seen Spence fight Crawford and, and, and Mikey fight Lomachenko, of course. But that was the fight that was made. Now, since March of 2019, since losing 12 of 12 rounds against Spence and basically just covering up, shelling up, and staying on his feet in that fight, he's had two fights since. One was against Jesse Vargas at 147, which he won, and then this one at, against Sandor Martin, which he lost. So that is the career of Mikey Garcia. Now, let me be clear about something real quick, okay? He'll probably get in the Hall of Fame one day because he's going to be marketed as a four-weight champion and a guy who unified titles at one point. He was a unified champion. And that's going to be enough for the guys that write uh, the bloggers and nerds and stuff that you know vote for the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, and look, I, I'm, you know, I'm one of them. But I'm just saying a lot of these guys are going to be duped by the smoke and mirrors, and it's going to be good enough for them to push Mikey through. I think he'll get in the Hall of Fame one day. But what I hear a lot from people, remember how many of you guys out there said he was going to destroy Lomachenko at lightweight? Do you really still believe that? Do you really think that Mikey Garcia ever believed that? Really, do you? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was as confident as some of you were. There's a lot of, oh, Mikey would have. Mikey could have. Mikey should have. I don't really give a fuck about the could-haves and would-haves. What I care about is what did Mikey do? What did any fighter do? I care about what actually happened. And something has taken place in our society. I don't know if it's the social media thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's the everybody wins a trophy thing going on right now or everybody's feelings matter more than facts. That just seems to be the way things are now. But it seems to be more about the metaphysical. Well, he would have won this fight if it had happened here. And he, he could have won that fight if it had happened then. Who gives a fuck? 
I care about what the fighter actually did. And when I look at Mikey Garcia's resume and Adrian Broner's resume, now I know Mikey beat Broner. You don't have to remind me. I don't think their resumes are that far apart. I really don't. Adrian Broner is, is marketed as this four weight champion, right? And as a four weight, he's arguably the, the worst four weight champion ever. Is Mikey that much better? Now, in terms of head-to-head, he already beat him. He's more skilled. I, I get that. He's a better fighter, okay? But in terms of accomplishments and resume, I don't know, guys. And overall, overall, top to bottom, you can make an argument that Broner faced better opposition. Now, he lost more times. He lost when he stepped up, just about every time he stepped up. But top to bottom, Broner probably faced better overall opposition than Mikey Garcia. So. I'm just saying, as much shit as we give Adrian Broner, and Adrian outside the ring is a catastrophe of a human being, okay? So I'm not trying to make a comparison there. I'm keeping it in the ring. I don't know if Mikey Garcia is that much more accomplished than Adrian Broner. So that is it for my Mikey Garcia rant. Now that I've triggered all of you out there, let's go back to the phones, shall we? And then we will do the preview. All right, let's keep these calls quick, guys, as always. All right, let's jump to... Six seven eight in Georgia. What's going on? Hey, Mikey. It's Dane, man. It's Dane. Dane, what's up, man? Hey, man. Yeah, I called you last week, and I kind of light up Wilder, but I see he has kind of redeemed himself, and you know. But I'm here to defend him this week. Well, not because he, you know, put out a statement, you know, congratulating Fury. But I want to respectfully disagree with someone that told you, I think last week, that most heavyweights right now, he could name a few of heavyweights that could be Wilder. I don't think so. Because while Wilder, I think he's technically, everyone knows Wilder's technical flaws that watch boxing. However, the thing with Wilder, what he does, he has perfected it. That one thing he does, he has perfected it so much. And it's not just the power that he has. It's the way he sets it up. Mm-hmm. He's patient. He's confident. He's poised. And he has perfected his technique in such a way that he lowers you. And he makes you think that you might have the advantage. You, you run in a couple rounds. Wilder doesn't mind that. He knows he will land, he knows he can land, and he just has that mentality. And the next thing is that he's very awkward because because of his boxing style, he's not that fundamental boxer. So his stance might be off, that might be tricky for a lot of boxers. Plus, a lot of his knockouts, they, they come spontaneous. Sometimes you don't see his knockouts coming. If you watch his Go back and watch his fight, even the fewer fight. The knockouts, they come out of nowhere when you think he's against the rope and he's having difficulties. He lands those punches from awkward position and he's perfected it over the years with those guys mm-hmm. that he's been trying out technique on for all this time. So, looking at the heavyweight division, Mike. I don't think these these crop of heavyweight boxers today 
unlike the 90s and beyond, I don't think that they're that good to be giving Wilder that much trouble that he can't land on them. All of them have that that much flaw where Wilder can take advantage. So that's that's my stance on Wilder. I don't see. I I just don't see. It. There might be some, but I don't see that much heavyweight beating him. The next point quickly is Joshua. I think Joshua's problem is a mental problem. And I let me say this first. I've always thought that Wilder and Fury would be Joshua based on their style. I I think their style is a bad matchup for for him, but. Josh was a mental problem. Do you notice how in the Andy Ruiz um, build up to the first fight, how he was laughing with Andy Ruiz, giving him his belt? The same thing with Uti. He's laughing and smiling with Uti. Why is he smiling with the Joker? And I think he's bringing that same mentality in the ring. If you notice Manny Pacquiao, very nice guy. You would leave your newborn son or daughter with him to babysit for a week. But when Pacquiao goes in the ring, that kill switch goes off. Same with now you knew it. Maybe even Glockin or the, the miracle man Danny Jacob. I don't think Joshua has the mentality to be smiling up with these fighters and then go in the ring with a different energy. And I think he has been seeing some form of sports psychologist over the years. And I'm like, why don't they point that out to him? Stop laughing with these fighters. Be professional. Do like what Glockin did. You know, Glockin is serious, professional, has a very serious stand. You won't start the drama, although it's a big drama show. But if someone, you know, want to start something in the, um, in, the pre, in the press conference and stuff, He's up for it. Blocking is no punk. So Joshua needs, they need to work with him in that sense. So stop laughing with this. You're not, you don't have that personality. Stop laughing with them. I hear you, man. That's, You're right at five minutes, Dane. So I got to cut you off, but uh, I hear you, brother. All, all right, Mike. Thanks a lot for making me talk. All, all right, right, man. Yeah, look, a lot of people think AJ has a, a mental thing going on there. He doesn't have the mentality of a quote-unquote fighter. And I agree that Wilder has gotten good at setting up the right hand. And um, he he does have craft with it. And I think he did show that in that fight with Fury. I, I didn't give him enough credit for when he pulled back and shot that right as Fury lunged straight in. I still think it was more Fury making a mistake than Wilder making that punch happen. But to his credit, he did get it off. And uh, the right hand is dangerous. The, my thing with these heavyweights is on any given night, any one of them could beat the rest of them. I just That's just the way I see it. Um, we're getting a lot of comments about Mikey Garcia right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I figured I would cause something with that. Uh, Andrew Smith says Loma would have beat his ass bad. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I always favored Lomachenko in that matchup because Mikey can only fight in straight lines. He goes straight front and back. Moves forward, moves backward. Almost no lateral movement. His one-two down the pipe is real good. Boom, boom. Real nice and sharp and straight. But he doesn't really have the other punches, especially with a, a lefty that's going to be dancing all around him. I thought Loma would have boxed circles around him. Uh, Nacho says, uh, I agree. Mikey has taken the path of least resistance and the most money for the least amount of risk recently. Yeah. 
I mean, and look, and to be fair, I mean, Mikey was with um, PBC and went that route. And then he's been with Matchroom, right? And he's been doing it with Eddie. So I don't know if it, it's the demographics involved. It may be some of the promoters. And look, I'm just, I'm just, forget stepping on the line. I'm just going to step over the line today, okay? I, I wonder if some of these promoters thought, well, he's, he's Mexican-American and he's from California. He's from Southern California, the LA area. Um, the biggest boxing market right now in the United States. Uh, so this guy's worth money. And they just, the, the, the amount of money, especially uh, Eddie Hearn was paying this guy for some of these matchups. I, I just, I didn't get it. And I mentioned Mikey Garcia getting in the hall of fame one day. I do think a big part of that is the demographics involved. If Mikey Garcia was from Nigeria or Germany or Thailand or, you know, Australia, I don't think he gets to the International Boxing Hall of Fame. By the way, we don't have enough African or Asian fighters in the International Boxing Hall of Fame right now. And that's, that needs to fucking change quick. Because if you look at the, the, the fighters that are in right now, we don't have a lot of representation from those two parts of the world. Sorry, quick tangent. But I'm sorry, if Mikey Garcia was from Nigeria or he was from Korea or something, he's not getting in the Hall of Fame. But him coming from Southern California, being part of the Garcia family, that's going to be enough, okay, to, to get in. Would, would I vote for him? Probably not. Now, maybe on a maybe on an extremely weak year, maybe, but um, he probably ain't going to get my vote on, on a strong year because I just think there's other guys out there that are far more deserving. That's just the way I see it. Okay, back to the phones we go. Um, let's jump to... Five seven zero. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, speaking of the Hall of Fame, if, if if they do induct Mikey, I think that'd be a travesty. It's, it's a travesty already that Darius Mikulczewski, the great light heavyweight champion, there you go, was undefeated in forty eight fights. If he was American, he, he's not he'd be in the Hall of Fame. That's it, right? And there's many, there's many more. I mean, it's the, the criteria needs to change with the Hall of Fame induction because. All world titles are not the same anymore. You got four belts. You even have the junior belts. I don't have to go over that with you. But it should be based on who you're fighting. The, the top the top echelon of boxing, if you're beating those guys, then, then obviously you, you should be able to be on the list. Guys like Adrian Broner collecting belts, it just doesn't add up. So people really have to take that into account. And uh, Mikey Garcia, he doesn't even come close to even sniffing the Hall of Fame for me. On uh, Saturday, I mean, I subjected myself to that card. I had some uh, financial interest in the card, so I, I kind of slept walked through that Garcia fight. But yeah, he he showed up fat, happy, overpaid. Guy doesn't have it, his heart in boxing anymore, and you see that. But yeah. you mentioned something before about PBC. They overpaid fighters. He got comfortable, and that and that's it. That's all in a nutshell. And we might see that with Joshua now. He may not have the motivation you know, to get back because we see Usyk's a two and a half to one favorite betting favorite right now, according to Vegas. And, um, if I, if I want, I wanted to bring something up, uh, it's in two weeks, the Otto Valine and Dylan White fight. I wanted to get ahead of this because people who want to bet that fight, bet Otto Valine, he's plus 200 right now, but that, that line is going to drop significantly up into the fight. So if you like them, bet them now, because that fight's going to be a pick them by the time it goes off. And I like Feline. It's a style that's conducive to beating a guy like White. And actually, White's style is kind of conducive to beating 
Valine, but we don't know how durable Valine is. I think he's durable enough to survive him, and he beats him by decision or late stoppage. But White has a lot of miles on that that odometer. Mm -hmm. He's been in a lot of wars. We saw it with Povetkin. He's fighting a fresher fighter. I can't believe his guys put him in there with a six foot six technician like this. I think Valine is probably the best underdog bet you're going to find in, in in a matter of, of the next year or two. Hmm. So that's my take on that. And, how um, how are you betting the fight this weekend? About, oh, I mean, Shakur Stevenson is the he's going he's it's going to be an ugly fight. It's not going to be a, a great fight. Harry's going to make it a fight. But Stevenson, his style. I mean, he's he's too fast for for Herring. I don't I don't think he uh, Herring's going to have enough punching power to really trouble him. So I mean, it's a minus. He's minus eight hundred, I believe. He's kind of overpriced for that fight. He's an eight to one favorite. So I mean, I'd I'd bet Stevenson. It's not a bet that I'd be, you know, looking to go straight on. I'd probably put it in a parlay with uh, Feline next weekend. Okay. So that's that's the route I would go. But I like I like Herring. It's just a stylistic matchup that doesn't. It's not conducive for him. Um, but you did mention uh, Savannah Marshall and Breedis, Maris Breedis, who's he's always been like a fringe top pound for pound guy on my list. It's a shame he hasn't gotten a big fight since the uh, Usyk fight because that was Usyk's toughest fight. Yeah, I mean that was that was close, and um, I, I think he's going to fight a Coley next. And that, that's going to be a great fight. I think Breedis takes him. And uh, Savannah Marshall, who also filed on that same card, she beat Clarissa Shields in the amateurs. Right. And now they kind of have that same promotional deal where they can get that fight. And I think that's next year. I think that's going to be next year. And let's see if Clarissa Shields uh, puts up or shuts up because Marshall, she's ready for the fight. She wants to fight. She already beat her. She's got the punching power, the style to beat a, guy, a girl like Shields, who's, who's all volume and speed. And, and that's a fight I'd pay for, no doubt. Um, is there anything you wanted to add on on that? Did I miss something with uh, no? I think um, Shields or I, I look if Shields and Marshall can be built up. That's the one female super fight we have out there. Um, and then with Bradis, I'm with you that he might be a borderline, you know, top fighter like that. But he just needs oh, yeah. to get active. He he hasn't been active uh, since he won yeah. the tournament. Yeah, he's 36. I think they were going to say he's going to move to heavyweight. I think that's self-defeating. Yeah. If he fights a Coley, that's the fight to make right now. I think he beats him right now. Um, but as time goes on, you know, he's going to dwindle. But one one other thing about the zone, I know a lot of people, they don't buy the zone, but watching the uh, the buildup, Eddie Hearn matched uh, Teofimo Lopez and Haney together after the fight to kind of get in an argument, stir up crap, um, make it look like a WWE drama right they're trying to tailor these guys to a certain demographic that deals with such drama online whether it's a smart financial decision or not is up to eddie hearn i just don't think it appeals to boxing fans in general and that's who that fight's really gonna you know cater towards if you're gonna buy it but here's the thing about Devin haney he's all he's all bluster i think he's all talk and he got cornered uh he was supposed, him and his dad supposed, supposedly were going to meet, or actually, no, it's on record. Bob Aaron said this on the telecast that he had a, a scheduled meeting with Haney and his father, and they never showed up. They made a meeting, and they never showed up. 
you know, to discuss either a Lomachenko fight or a Teofimo Lopez fight. So people out there who are pumping up Devin Haney, the guy's never fought anybody. He's, he never deserved a title shot. He never beat anybody for a title. He was handed a title. It's, it's politics. And now he's being treated like some, some royalty that, that deserves, you know, all this recognition. He hasn't fought anybody. He's looked poor against oh, prime opponents. You're, at, you're over six minutes, yeah, man. I it. broke my rule. I want to, sure, man. I want to hear your response to the uh, Haney and uh, Lopez tip, tip for Tad, okay? All Thank right, you. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I, well, I talked about it earlier, Thad. You probably missed it, but um, I, I talked specifically about that clip that you're talking about. And I, I just, I, I thought Tiafimo won that exchange when he just said, um, Hey, I got all the time. I got more titles than you because Devin Haney, his diss was, I got more social media followers than you. That was his big diss. It was laughable that that's where he'd go with it. And, um, and for Tio to respond and just say, well, I got more titles than you. That was a knockout for me. That was it. But I, I'm with you. Like that exchange, I don't give a shit, but I got to tell you, there's kids it is these TikTok kids and shit that are tweeting that out, posting it on their Instagram and all that stuff. They love it. So it does appeal to uh, to a certain generation of fans. Now, are they going to buy a pay-per-view between these two now? Are they going to stream it? So they haven't figured out how to monetize this stuff yet. For me, I just want to see these, these motherfuckers fight. That's all I care about. All right, let's jump uh, to back to the phones. It looks like we got Sanch on the phone from LA. What's up, Sanch? How you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm gone and over here with all this Mikey Garcia talk. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> forgettable career, doesn't even deserve that much time on the show, man. He's a bum. Well, I won't, I won't go that far. That, that's you talking, man. I, you know, I, you know I, like, I like being a hater. But no, Mikey has a career that's forgettable. No one's going to say, let's put on a Mikey Garcia fight. Yeah. So that should end the conversation right there. I'm over these two. I'm over the lightweight division, too. Tio and Haney. Haney never, Haney acts like people are ducking him when he needed surgery last year and was out the first half of the year. Tio acts like he's a born-again Christian now because he doesn't want to take accountability. So, yeah, they get some little clicks on, on going viral, but let's be honest, Mike. Does anybody really care about their fights? I don't think so. Does anybody know who they are besides those hardcore? No. So they're in for a rude awakening when the money's not going to be there for them to make a fight. And we're not going to see them fight for at least another three, four years. It's just, the scene is just, it's, the scene's a joke. We got Canelo. We got Ryan Garcia. Canelo's holding the sport up. Ryan Garcia is another one. I'm yeah. just, I want to, I want your take on this. When is either Golden Boy going to put all their energy on Virgil Ortiz? Or when is Virgil Ortiz going to wake up and see that? golden boy and push them the way they should mm -hmm. and, and take off dude that's a great great point i i've been i've been saying this for years uh honestly for years but if i'm virgil ortiz senior and i don't see golden boy make a significant change in their stance i'm bouncing and you know where virgil needs to go dude he needs to go to eddie he needs to go to match room not uncle al not grandpa bob he needs to go to match room. Look at the events they're putting on, bro. You just traveled across the world to attend one. Do you agree with me on that? No, no. I agree that any young fighter that wants to become branded should go to Eddie. Yeah. I'm going to go to that rematch in London against Usyk and AJ. 
Um, I just say it's disrespectful the way they're doing Virgil. I agree. Virgil is the only fighter under 25 that wants to be a fighter and not an influencer. Yeah. He's not overvaluing himself like Tio. He took all Tio's buzz. Nobody cares about Tio right now. Tio turned off a lot of Latino fans with his attitude right now. I agree. He knows it. His father knows it. Um, that's why they're not. Remember, remember, Mike, they were talking about we got the smoking gun. We're going to buy out our top right contract. What happened to all that talk? They went right back to Grandpa Bob, and now he's so, he's posting like he's a preacher or something, like he's a padre on yeah, uh, and Twitter. That's, and that's coming off fake. That's that's coming off so fake. People are laughing at him. You yeah. go through most of the timeline on Twitter. Everybody's laughing at Tio. Everybody's laughing at Haney. Everybody's laughing at Ryan Garcia. The majority, you got their sycophants. But like I said, all we got really in America is Virgil Ortiz and and Boots Ennis for yeah. the under twenty under under twenty five guys. That's it. Yeah. Shakur gets joked at too. The fight fans aren't taking the fighters serious, and that's I've never been in a point in boxing history where the fans don't take the fighters serious or like respect them as like men. You know what I mean? They're not acting like men. No, exactly. Um. One more thing before I let you go. Um, how easy do you think this Clint Canelo fight is going to be for Canelo? Uh, it, it depends on if he comes in there and takes it really, really seriously, dog. I, I think he's going to mop the floor with the guy. I just, but, but if he plays with his food a little bit, it could go to distance. You know, it wouldn't shock me if it goes to distance, but it's going to be a 9 3 kind of fight, something like that. Okay, okay, one more thing, one more thing. I've been on the Usyk bandwagon since he was at the forum. What do you think? Are you in the far back, bro? All right. What do you think him and Fury looks like? Is that a 60-40 Fury, 50-50? After what I saw last weekend, I'm going 51-49 Usyk. Hello? Sanch? Yeah, no, why is that? Oh, why is that? Okay. Um, I, I saw enough sloppiness from Fury, and I saw enough uh, pockets and gaps for Usyk to fill where I think he can land punches and get out uh, to where I think he has a real chance in that fight. He can't stop Fury, obviously. He can't hurt him or knock him out, but he can touch him and get around him. Fury does not throw long, straight punches. Um, he he mauls and grapples and leans and pushes and the ref is going to play a big role in that fight. But I think Usyk has a real chance, and people are underselling him. No, I, yeah, I think people think that Fury's slick, but look who he's looked slick against. Exactly. He hasn't looked slick against an elite boxer. Yeah. And Fury's, and Usyk's the better boxer, has the better resume in terms of degree of difficulty, and he's a better athlete. only thing that Fury has on him is he's bigger. Right. I, I totally agree with like you, man. Boxing IQ and boxing. And what I've done in boxing, nobody at heavyweight has a better degree of difficulty in opposition than Usyk, even though he's only had three heavyweight fights. But in terms of what they've actually had to do in the ring, yeah. Usyk has seen more seen more levels of opposition and has more tools than anybody. I agree, man. But yeah, you're you're That's at five minutes. Got to bounce. Thanks, thanks for calling this, Sanch. Real quick, I, I completely skipped past these Super Chats, guys. I'm so sorry. Uh, Drew with the Super Chat, thank you so much. He says, this narrative that Tio and Loma ducked Haney 
when Haney was out the first half of 2020 due to surgery, the Loma Tio fight postponed uh, to October due to COVID. Then the IBF mandatory was in the line before the WBC comedy. All facts, Drew. All facts. Um, absolutely 100. And no one's ducked Haney. And Haney did get his title in the email. And I've talked about this before. I think Haney won his interim belt. And Loma, I, I want to say it was a, a month or so before a Lomachenko fight to where like Loma basically had a whole year to fulfill that mandatory obligation. It's not as if he had to go right into a Haney fight. The timelines of this thing get so mixed up by fans. It's so easy to manipulate fans on social media these days. Uh, and, you know, I don't blame fans for being confused. It's crazy. But that those are all facts. Those are absolutely true. Deed3440, Super Chat. Thank you so much, Deed. He says, Herring beats Stevenson. Calling it now. Oh, Deed is on the record. Look, man, I'm starting to think the way you do. Um, I'm actually going to talk to – I talked to Jamel a little bit over the weekend today just trying to get – a uh, an interview set up. So we're going to talk tomorrow, Jamela and, and myself, and um, I'll post an advance on ringtv.com this week and included in that article will be our, uh, our video, a video of our interview. So guys, make sure you look for that because I'm going to ask Jamel about these odds. I've seen odds like nine to one for Stevenson. And that's really disrespectful to the champ, isn't it? I, I mean, I get it. Bad style matchup and all that, but damn, nine to one. I don't know about that. Feeling dangerous. One, one, three with the super chat. Thank you. He says Navarrete versus Lara. That would be an all out war. Yeah, man. Sign me up for that shit. And that would be number one versus number three. And considering the promotional situation and everything involved, I think that the ring ratings panel would vote for that to be for the ring title. I know I would, I'd be on board with a Navarrete Lara fight being for the ring title at Featherweight. That would be awesome. And Feeling Dangerous posted another super chat. Thanks once again. He says, Rung Visai deserves the Hall of Fame more than Mikey Garcia. That's a good one. That's interesting. I'd have to look at that. I would have to look at that one because Rung Visai does have a couple better overall wins than Mikey Garcia, that's for sure. He has better wins than Garcia has, but he has been inconsistent and inactive recently. But that's a really, really interesting one. You might be right on that. You might be right. I think Rungby side probably does deserve it more than Mikey. But I'd want to actually look at that head-to-head. That'd be a really good one to look at and maybe post something on Twitter. That's a good one, bro. You got me with that one. All right, Um going to jump we're going to take one more quick call guys and then we're going to preview what we got coming up this weekend okay so let's jump to one more call 813 from tampa florida you are on the show what's up hey mike this is jp from tampa jt what's up man not too much man i have to jump with the bandwagon here i need my money back from mikey garcia (laughs) i hope he's listening right now (laughs) but hey he fucked up a parlay i had a fight fight at parlay and he was the only one who dropped the ball so i need my money back from that guy that sucks yeah so that was the last one that was the last one and you would have made your parlay that was the very last one exactly even the Puerto Rican guy, what's his name, Gonzalez? Right. Thank you, Mikey Garcia. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Puerto Rican guy, Gonzalez against Soto. I take a chance on that underdog because he was a minus 
no, he was a plus 550 underdog. And he actually came through. Mikey Garcia being a what, minus 5,000 favor, he still yeah. didn't pull it off. Come on, Mikey. That's tough, man. A lot of people lost money on that this weekend. You're not the only one. You can't be the only one. That sucks. It wasn't a whole lot of money. It was like $10, but still, all he had to do was win, man. It's the principle of the thing, man. It's the principle. (laughs) Yes, bro. And then he's picking on some guy from Spain that nobody knows. Exactly. what happens when you pick on somebody that nobody knows. Well, man, I don't know if you saw, if you if you followed the zone on Twitter, but they posted out like this picture and it was like, today is the day. And they had like a poster of, of uh, what is it, uh, uh, Garcia? And I can't remember the name of the guy who fought. What the hell? Uh, Martin. Garcia and Martin, it's the fight poster. Right. It's like, today is the day. Like, it was like, like this is some huge fight that everyone's looking forward to. And I'm like, what the hell is this? What is this crap? And then he goes out there and loses. No. Crazy. Did you notice what a small space of the whole stadium they were occupying? Yeah, yeah. That big stadium, they only had like maybe a quarter of the whole stadium. And I was thinking to myself, Mikey, you have fought in front of like hundreds of thousands of people. And here you are losing in front of like a thousand people. <laughs> you I know, know what man. I'm saying? It's like this guy's going backwards, like rest in peace of career. Yeah, it was kind of sad, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't think I have anything else really. You just you just uh, had to vent. Hey, we understand you, you had to vent. It is it's it's all good. Yeah, bro. So anyway, uh thank you for checking Devin Haney and uh some of these young guys talking about her from the hood earlier on in the show because oh. I was listening to that. And I don't know if you can tell by my accent. I grew up in Cuba. Guys oh, there no you go. What they're talking about. These guys, so so you, <laughs> you know, know more like, than anybody, on. man. Coming from Cuba, that system, yeah. the shit that you and your family have been through, and then when some punk kid yeah, talks about had to endure. Yeah, yeah. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thank you for saying that, bro. And uh, I'll continue listening. All right, brother. Thanks have a good one. Phone. All right. Yeah, it's funny, you know, like a lot of celebrities in America are like, well, Cuba, they do it right over there. Look at their healthcare system. It, it's it's great. All these blue checkmark dudes on Twitter and shit. You talk to anyone who's from Cuba, whose <laughs> family's from Cuba, they're like, bruh, there's motherfuckers getting on rafts to get over here to the United States, to get out of that system. What the hell are you people talking about? You have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I'm just stepping in it today. Drew with another super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, uh, is Virgil Ortiz Sr. happy with the job Golden Boy Promotions is doing? As far as I know, they're good. Um, They're just going about their business and doing their thing. But I'm telling you, at some point, uh, the Ortiz family, it seems like they're, they're incredibly humble and just focused on boxing, which is awesome. I think it's their greatest strength. But from a business perspective, you can argue it could turn into their greatest weakness. Um, how often do you see Oscar De La Hoya hanging out with Virgil Ortiz, tweeting shit about him, hanging out with him on social, or all this, the way he does with Ryan Garcia? Uh, I think they're really dropping the ball there. And I'm telling you, man, if I was Sir Eddie, I'd be I'd be sliding in them DMs and just say, hey, kid, look at the 70-plus thousand we did for Canelo versus a B-level fighter this year. Look at the almost 70,000 we just did between Joshua and Usyk. And by the way, that rematch 
If they can get it in Wembley, that's going to do 90,000. Okay. Uh, or they could go over to Saudi Arabia or some shit and do a boatload of money. Eddie's putting on the biggest events in the sport right now. I'm talking about like, it's like concerts. There's like fireworks and pyrotechnics and shit. It feels like you're at a concert and then there just so happens to be a fight at the end. No one else is doing that shit. I don't know if Virgil Ortiz cares about that sort of thing, but uh, at some point, I know he's going to want the big fights. He's ready. He wants them now. If they can't make that shit happen, I don't know. They might jump ship. All right, we got a few more callers on the line, but I got to get to this fight preview, guys. We are an hour, over an hour in. So let's do this preview real quick, and then I'll jump back to the phones, okay? Um, let's talk about the schedule this weekend. Uh, Friday, October 22nd in Montreal, Oscar Rivas is fighting Ryan Rosicki for the inaugural vacant WBC Bridgeway title. Yes! This is the fight. We've all been waiting for the Bridgerweight division is going to be christened. I can't wait. ESPN Plus for those interested in this one. But the real fight, uh, the real card this weekend, Saturday, October 23rd, top rank on ESPN from the State Farm Arena right here in the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia, which has had a few uh, cards this year, man. Atlanta, what did I tell you guys at the beginning of this year? Georgia, Texas, Florida. They're all going to have pretty good years, pretty busy. And um, since I've moved to Georgia, there's more and more cards coming here. Hmm. I'd like to think I have a very tiny little small bit to do with that at least. Anyway, Jamel Herring defending his uh, WBO 130-pound title for the fourth time going up against Shakur Stevenson. Herring is 23-2, Stevenson 16-0. Uh, 11 knockouts for Herring versus eight knockouts for Stevenson. So, yeah, bet the over, okay? This is going the distance. I think the under over is 10 and a half rounds. Bet the over. I think um, my buddy Trey was texting me earlier. I think he said it was like minus 150 for betting the over, meaning I think if you have to bet like $150 to get 100 back. So, I mean, that's how confident that the odds makers are that this is going late, all right? Um, let's see, uh, 35 years old compared to 24 years old. So there's obviously a big age difference here. And, you know, the interesting thing is Herring is a little taller, longer. He's a bigger guy. He's five foot 10, 72 inch reach. Stevenson, five foot seven, 68 inch reach. And Herring is a grown ass man. Did fight for a while at 135. He took a couple L's there, but he did fight some naturally larger guys. Trains with Terrence Crawford, right? He's part of that camp right there with Bo Mack and all those guys. So he has a great camp, a lot of great uh, talent and wisdom around him and uh, healthy as hell, just stays in the gym, 247, 365. Stevenson as a young guy is still settling into his frame, right? We know he's eventually going to be like a 140, maybe even a 147, but for right now, he can squeeze down to 130. But the naturally larger, stronger guy Saturday night should be Jamel Herring. And I think that will play a role in this fight. I do. Because Herring has to make it ugly. He's got to try to get inside where he can do some work. He has shown he can fight on the inside. He has some craft. He has more experience. He's been in the ring with tougher guys. He's been like to the top of the mountain, so to speak. But he's also been in the bottom of the valley. He's, he's had the highs and the lows outside the ring and inside the ring. 
And I think he's going to have to rely on all of that coming into this fight. My one concern for Team Herring would be, did they overtrain? Because Jamel is one of those guys that you almost have to slow him down. Like, hey, man, you, you did enough today. Go home. Rest. All right? Go home and eat something. Re relax. Uh, he likes to train all the time. So uh, did he overtrain? If he overtrained, well, that could play an issue in this fight. But if he's peak, if he's – and I got to think, you know, with all the people, the nutritionists and and uh, the, the sports people, what are they called? Um, strength and conditioning coaches that they have around there in Bomax gym, I got to think he's going to be peaking for this fight. And he's right at that age, though, where he's about to – right? A couple years ago, I think the odds would have been a lot tighter for this fight. But right now, you know, they're pretty wide. I still think nine to one is crazy. Shakur Stevenson hasn't fought anybody, anybody yet to warrant nine to one odds over a tested veteran title holder like Jamal Herring. So I'm going to go against the grain here. I haven't picked an upset special for a while, but I'm going to go with an, an upset special here. I'm going to take Jamel Herring by close decision, maybe split decision, majority decision, controversial. I don't know. I'm going to take Jamel Herring by decision in this fight. I also will say it's possible, very possible, that Jamel Herring wins seven rounds of this fight but loses a very controversial decision. And Shakur Stevenson benefits from some um, – some friendly judges. We'll just put it to you that way. I think that's very possible that Jamel, Jamel Herring could do enough to justifiably rate a 115-113 kind of score and Shakur Stevenson sneaks out of there with the W. Very possible, so look out for that. There's also a bunch of prospects on this card. Uh, Zander Zayas, Nico Ali Walsh, Evan Holyfield, Evander's, one of Evander's 5,000 children that's uh, from here in Atlanta. So it's going to be a fun event. I will be covering this for... Ring Magazine and RingTV.com. Like I said, I'll be talking to Jamel tomorrow. I will get an advance posted on RingTV.com probably Wednesday, Thursday at the absolute latest, and I'll have a video interview to go along with that, okay? That's the plan. So unless something blows up, you guys will get that. Uh, so look for it. And then um, the weigh-in is closed to the public. The press conference is closed to the public. So I don't know. I could go there and cover it, but um, for those of you in the Atlanta area who are interested in attending that stuff, sorry, it's closed to the public, okay? Um, but I'll, I'll keep you guys informed of what's going on, of course, and then I'll be there ringside Saturday night. So any of you in the Atlanta area or any of you that are flying into Atlanta for the fight, hit me up, man. Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. DM me and let me know where you're going to be. Uh, come say hi because I'll be there all night, all right? Um the wife is staying at home. She's not working a fight. She, sometimes she does photography for the for the fights and stuff, but she won't be for this one. Um, she'll be just chilling at home. So I'll be there by myself. So if any of you guys want to meet up and talk some boxing, let me know. All right. So that's it. All right. Let's take a few more phone calls and then we will close it out, guys. All right. Let's keep these quick. We're going to go back out to California. 818. You're on the show. Hello? Hello, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, what's up, man? Um, I got kind of late into your show, but hopefully you can talk about anything that I'm going to talk about. Uh, anyway, did you uh, just see the Canelo and Flint undercard? They just announced, I guess, not too long ago. 
No, I did not. Who is it really bad? Uh, it, bad. I, that's an understatement, brother. But anyway. Oh shit. Yeah, man. I kind of wanted to talk about that because you know I know the big um, you know the purses are for Caleb and Plant, but it's a little ridiculous how these uh, big big uh, you know pay per views rarely ever get a good undercard, and uh, you know they're going up against. Uh, what UFC, whatever number it is, you know, I mean, it's just horrible for us boxing fans, man. And, um, you know, usually I'm, I'm uh, I like Canelo, I'll buy his stuff, but at the end of the day, man, like this undercard is and the end pay per view, it, it's not worth it, man. It's uh, I think it's like Jarrell versus Hernandez. Vargas I'm looking at it right now, guy in, Anthony Jarrell yeah, versus bad, Marcos Hernandez. What the hell is that? Uh, Ray Vargas. <laughs> who's a good fighter going up against Leonardo Baez. What the hell is that? And then Elvis Rodriguez mm-hmm. against Juan Pablo, Juan Pablo Romero. That is dog shit, dude. Wow. Yeah, man. It's, it, it's incredible, bro. I mean, you know, I was hoping at least for one good, you know, undercard at least, at least, but you know, as they're saying a $50 million purse for the main event, you know, what are they going to do? I guess, uh, you know, squeeze the money out of us fans for the, for that but yeah it's uh it's sad bro i'm with you man that's a tough one hey so what, what, what i mean you know I, I don't know how much they're getting paid but what what is it how how do they uh if you know how do they determine these undercards is it really based on money i mean let's say they're paying Darrell a million dollars i mean can they just pay a $200,000 more to, you know, for another fight. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all, it all comes down to budget. And a lot of times with the American pay-per-views, but pretty much all pay-per-views in general, uh, the 99% of the budget goes to the main event. That's what everyone's, you know, buying. So, you know, there's a lot of times where they'll put half a million into the undercard. You know, sometimes they'll put a million, um, sometimes they'll invest some real money, but it's pretty clear with this one. I'm looking at these three fights, man. I, I mean, th- this couldn't be a, a million dollars for this pay-per-view. I mean, maybe a million dollars total. I doubt it though. That's, that's just terrible. So yeah, yeah it just comes I down mean, to money. Wow, bro. It's just amazing. But anyways, uh, yeah, man, uh, another quick thing, you know, uh, it's a Marky Garcia uh, fight with Sandor Martin. Um, you know, I, I, I've been a, a Mikey fan, support him, part of the community, <laughs> you know, so I'm glad that uh, some, somebody's making uh, these people, you know, these fighters rich. But, uh, you know, I've never really rated Mikey as as a top fighter, really, he's a good fighter, you know, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, I support him, I got his back, you know that, but if you're trying to, you know, when you put it down uh, to being real, you know, I never thought he was, you know, but at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, somebody's willing to pay him whatever money he's getting paid, you know, to, to fight these, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just like anybody else, you, you take that money, you know, so, I, you know, it's really these promoters that are paying these fighters the money to keep doing what they're doing you know i mean uh that interview with Tio and uh haney you know they're saying they're willing to fight you know but if you if you kind of hear the actual uh, message that haney was sending to Tio, 
he's like, the fight has to happen on the zone. You know, let's fight on the zone. That's what he was saying. If if it was any different, let's just fight. You know, the any no no network should be involved in discussion with uh, you know when when fighters are actually talking. But Haney's just saying the zone. So right there, kind of tells me it ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Even though Haney's a free agent, right? I believe so. Um, I believe he could fight anywhere he wants to, but don't quote me. I just that fight's not happening for years, man. It's just not. Yeah, that's crazy, man. But, um, yeah, anyways, man, other than that, man, that's all I, I got today. I just uh, looking forward to the fight, you know, uh, this weekend. Just, uh, you know, I'm going to take Herring just because uh, I, like, uh, I like him more as a person than Stevenson. But the Betty money is going to go on on uh, Stevenson, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what I would do if I would be a Betty man. But, yeah, Herring uh, decision. Uh, and other than that, man, I was looking forward to the Canelo and Caleb fight until they announced this horrible uh, undercard. It's a little downer, you know. And uh, you know, hopefully, nothing. Uh, uh, you know, th- those people that watch both fights, you know, don't actually end up uh, getting the UFC fight over the Canelo fight because of the undercard. But then again, you know, I, I don't know much about UFC or MMA or UFC, but I guess they always put stacked cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that could be something that, you know, they're looking at. But other than that, brother, keep doing what you do. And until uh, next time. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Super chat from Nigel Heens. He's, thanks, Nigel. I appreciate it. He says, uh, what's happening with the lightweight division is why U.S. fans need to be more accepting of foreign fighters. They come to fight and have taken the hard road. Yes, sir. And look, we're speaking in generalities here. Obviously, there are some American fighters who have taken a hard road and come to fight, and there are some foreign fighters that have been pampered. But for the most part, I think you were correct, sir. I don't really think that can be, like, argued anymore. I don't even think that's a controversial statement. CJ Duncan in the house with the Super Chat. Thanks, CJ. He says, the news of Stevenson expecting his first kid in his biggest fight seems like a big ask to be focused. That is a good point. I did not think about that, but I saw that weird social media picture with his, I don't think it's his wife. I'm just going to call her baby mama sitting on a piano in a bikini, rocking the pregnant belly. And he had a shirt off and looked like he was oiled up. It was a bizarre photo, man. I think you've probably seen it too, but yeah, I mean, look, it can either be an extreme motivator or it could be something that, causes him to lack focus um that remains to be seen but that is that is definitely an x factor to throw in there all right a couple more calls guys let's keep these quick 910 you're on the show what's up um hi this is um brennan what's up brennan hello yep i hear you what's going Uh, on i i think um too many people are overlooking uh, Caleb Plant. Okay. What makes you uh, say that? I think. Well, they they forget that uh, he has a decent amateur background. Uh, he has a kickboxing background. They forget that he can fight. Yeah. Look, I mean, I. You know, I, I did a a piece on Caleb in, in Ring a couple years back, right? He had just won his title. And we talked about his kickboxing background. And he was really 
a stud in kickboxing and he won pretty much like every tournament you could win um at, at a young age I, I think he was like 16 17 fighting adults and he pretty much said well i've kind of done everything i could do in kickboxing now let's go into boxing so the dude can fight there's absolutely no denying that he's a talented guy i think why so many people are are so heavily favoring canelo is because caleb just hasn't fought anybody yet as a pro you know what i'm saying I see that, but uh, I just think uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not picking the win. I just think he's going to do better than what people expect him to do. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I can see that. I, I mean, like, look, um, I think he's going to do better than Saunders like, and like, Smith. Uh, I think he's definitely better than Saunders. But, yeah, uh, I just think that um, Al Heyman kind of um didn't really do a whole lot with him you know what i mean yeah i mean that's fair to build him up yeah okay but i just i just think another reason why people overlook him is his character you know especially here in the south you know if you're in if you live in the south and you kind of if you're caucasian you act kind of blackish a lot of people don't like you okay so you think like his um, style now, are you talking about the style he fights with? Cause the style he fights with is stereotypically black American, or do you think it's like his personal style, the way he dresses this walk I and talk it's more of his personal. I think it's more of his personal style okay. here in the South, but I also think um, his, um, his style of boxing turns a lot of people off. You know, kind of like a Ugas thing. A lot of people didn't like the way he fights Manny Pacquiao. Okay. Yeah, look, I thought Ugas I hear you. did enough. I thought Ugas did enough to win. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He clearly won that fight. But I just think um, people overlook it. I just feel like he's going to do better than what people expect. Well, I, I was a win or not. But I just think, I just think he's going to do better than Saunders because I don't, I don't feel like Saunders came to win because he made that whole comment riding off to the sunset thing. And that turned me off. I hear you. Yeah. I think if, and that's why I think, go ahead. That's why I think here was mad at him. Yeah. I mean, they, they, Saunders doesn't seem to share the same mentality Fury has. I think Fury would walk through fire to win a fight. But if Plant does, you know, goes in there and does better than expected and actually wins a few rounds and, and pushes Canelo back a couple times and goes the distance and shows some heart, even if he loses, it'll be a brand-building exercise for him, and it will make him a, a bigger brand than he is now. So he can kind of like um, – win the war if you know you want to say he might lose the battle but win the war that sort of thing if he shows up and does better than expected but i'm with you that like people that think this is going to be like a second round knockout like that's ridiculous i think caleb plant is likely going to last the distance but i just think he'll he'll lose competitive you know closely or uh, i'm sorry he'll lose uh pretty decisively on the cards but i also feel like people are overlooking eddie renoso's history with with you know, PED. That is a little strange to me how Eddie Renoso can't keep people in his can't get kicked 
keep getting called like Julio Cesar Martinez, um, the dude who fought to Cal. Yeah, they all keep getting called, and it's just weird to me that they keep getting away with it. Yeah, well, I'll say, listen, I, I hear you on that, okay, and, and a lot of people have noted it. Um, I, you know, I think there's just, there could be something going on, but there's there's VADA testing for this fight. And while it doesn't ensure that nothing was going on before the testing, once those guys signed up for testing, which they, they've already started, um, we can assure that, you know, the eight weeks or so before the fight, nothing's going, nothing shady is going on. So I, I, I hear you because you know, I think it's like three dudes that train with Eddie Reynoso have, have popped for um, different things. So that definitely that forgot is the Julio Cesar Martinez. All of you forgot that he got caught too. Yeah. I don't know when that was, but I know he got it's caught. Like three years ago, I think it was. Don't quote me, but maybe about th- maybe four years ago, something like that. It, w- it was pretty recent. Um, no, maybe it was Canelo that was three, four years ago, 2018. It, it, all of them are recent. And so, yeah, it's been, I think, three different fighters. Listen, there's certain drugs that you can pick up in Mexico at like a Walgreens, their version of Walgreens, just over the counter that are illegal, but you can get them there. It's not the only country like that. You know, Russia's like that. China's like that. Um, but there does seem to be a pattern there. So I hear you. But there is testing for the fight. I wish it was year round, but both guys signed up for testing a, a while back and it started as soon as they signed up for it. So, and it's not bullshit, you know, a piss in a cup test once a week. It, it's the full VADA program. So if there was anything going on, you know, we can assure that there isn't right now. So I, I hear you, but we're past, um, we're past the five minute mark, thing, brother. One more thing I'll say real is, quick. Uh, Tyson Fury's dad needs to lay off of Fury. I just feel like he's biting his back way too much. Well, a lot of dads do that to their sons. Um, yeah, but uh, I just think it's a little excessive, you know. I hear you, man. I hear you. That's that's just my feeling on it. Yeah, uh, you're not alone, man. Let Fury be Fury. <laughs> you're not alone, brother. <laughs> but all right, man, I gotta let you go. We're over seven minutes. I'm trying to keep these calls all to right. five. So thanks for calling in, man. Calling again. All, all right. right. Have a good one. All right. All right. <laughs> Super chat pledge from Ray Valero. Thank you so much, Ray. He says, uh, just just supporting Mike. Keep up the great work. And I thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Hope the family's doing well. All right, a couple more calls, guys. Looks like we got Miami on the phone. 305, what's up? Hi, I'm a first-time caller, and I'm a young boxing fan. I'm wondering, I'm a fan of Dominican, like Dominican boxing and stuff, like the Dominican uh, boxing system. So I trust the guy who's opening them Parabellum when he says he's going to build an infrastructure there. Do you think that's all lip service trying to get the fans of that, of the boxing system in the DR excited and he's not really going to do anything. And, and what, what is your opinions on that promotion? I don't know much about it, to be honest with you. Um, I want to take them at their word. It's hard though, because we've seen so many people get involved in boxing and not really know what they're doing, but they have signed some no, good but, talent. But the funny, but, 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 but the problem is I think he's, he, he, he learned under Eddie, um, uh, Al Heyman. He's a, 
protege of Al Heyman. So okay. Al, Al Heyman, would, would you, can, can you, if he's a protege of Heyman, can you trust anything Heyman said? Really? Like, yeah. Can you trust anything at face value with Heyman? Is what I'm asking. I, well, I don't want to get myself in too much trouble, but I would say, uh, I would advise against that. <laughs> That's what I would yeah, say. Let, 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 let's say, uh, by chance, do you know how many more, uh, uh, how many more like big time fights now that they have with his current promoter by chance? How many fights are on the contract? Yeah. How many fights does he have left on his contract or if he can decide to go to another promoter? Off the top of my head, like I couldn't that. tell you. I know that he's under contract right now, and I know that uh, they're not near the end. As far as I know, that contract is solid for at least like another year. But uh, I, I don't know for sure. I really don't off the top of my head. I could ask and I could find out because I'm going to see all the top-ranked guys this weekend so I can bring that up and ask. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you might agree with this, but I was thinking about this. For me, in order for the 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 135 division to open up guys like Tiafimo, Haney and Garcia need to move up to 140 and guys like Navarrete, uh, Virgil and Virgil Ortiz and some of these guys need to like Jamel Herring needs to move in to because it seems like with the, the current champion, there's never going to be a fight. Am I being harsh or is that actually a legitimate, legitimate criticism of the 135 pound division right now? I think it's legitimate criticism. I mean, Tiafima Lopez has a mandatory, and that's Cambosis. And, you know, here we are a year later, and he's yet to fight him. Now, he will fight him later this year. That fight finally will get done. When he, when he, I think he'll beat Cambosis. I think it'll be an entertaining competitive fight, but he'll beat him. And then he will be able to do an optionary defense. You're an optional defense. He can pick who he wants. At that point, Maybe one of those fights can happen, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, at some point, Tiafimo is going to move up to 140, and when he does, you got to remember, he's got three of the four belts, so they will all break up, and you're going to have a bunch of vacant titles, and then you're going to have guys finally fighting each other. I think right now for Navarrete at yeah, 126, and, and he just got there, so I say give him time to solidify himself as the man in that division because I think he can do some real good things at 126. Yeah, well, when I look at and also when I look at that division, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm a Virgil Ortiz fan. I know he's loyal to Oscar to the point, but I honestly think it's hindering his his promotion that he's with Oscar because Oscar's focusing too much on the wrong fighter. I agree. Honest, I, am I being harsh or no? Is that true? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, several callers today have said the same thing. Several people in the comments have said the same thing. I think it's it's very clear that, um, and I've been saying this for a, a while, the best young fighter that Golden Boy has is Virgil Ortiz. They hit the lottery with that kid, and they're really messing up because I think the future of their business is with him. Uh, I think they'll make some quick money yeah, with Ryan Garcia. Virgil, but... I'm not sure if you agree with the comparison. Like when I look at his fighting style, he reminds me a little bit of Eric Morales, a mixture of Eric Morales and Esteban de Jesus. Is that? Yeah, the, I can the, see that. The, you know, a, a bigger, 
stronger version of that, sure. And I think he, I think even more explosive, honestly. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and, and do you think there's with Manny retiring? Do you ever think like let's not include Canelo? Is there a young fighter that you can see taking Manny's pedestal of, of being the the a multi a six division or eight division champion like he was? Do you think a guy like Navarrete or Virgil can do that, or no, or no not really? No, I don't. I don't. Um... You know, it's funny you, you bring that up. I mean, that's a question I asked several weeks ago on the show. Just who's going to take Manny's spot? Just as that beloved crossover superstar fighter, I don't see anybody in the current landscape that could do it. But as far as, you know, fighting six, seven, eight divisions, and no, Manny is a, is a fighter that comes around once every 20 to 30 years. We're not going to see a, another he's Manny a Pacquiao. Nature, basically. Yeah, he, absolutely. He's, a, he's an anomaly. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and... and I agree with you. Manny's a freak of nature, but uh, I think what what hindered a little bit of the development of these younger fighters that boxing was so focused on the older fighters like a, a Bud Crawford and so, like the guys in their 30s and 40s and stuff like that that they, they refused to develop the young fighters to take the pedestal for, from these older guys. It. Do you, do you agree with me or am I, is that, am I? Uh, it depends. It depends. <clears throat> we, we've seen some passing of the torch fights in recent years. I, I mean, look, if you look at the end of last year, when Tiafima Lopez beat Vasily Lomachenko, that was a passing of the torch. And, you know, it was Tiafima Lopez at that point was red hot. It's just his fault and, and everybody involved for screwing up that whole, um, they had so much momentum. And they've wasted 2021. Uh, some of it was their fault. Some of it wasn't. But most of it was their fault. So, you know, there are opportunities out there. But, like, okay, look, you're going to get Crawford and Porter fighting on pay-per-view, right? You got Canelo and Plant about to fight on pay-per-view. All the prospects you're talking about, the guys like the Garcias and, and Virgil Ortiz and, and those kind of guys, they should be on those undercards. That's how you build those guys up. And that's no, not that, happening. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like with, with with Canelo specifically, his undercard. I'm thinking. I'm not sure if this is a conspiracy or not. That he, if he has a guy like Navarrete on his undercard, he's afraid that Navarrete is gonna outshine him. That's why he doesn't want a young guy like that on his card. Am I? Is that a conspiracy theory or? Mm. I don't know about that. I mean, I think that I think Canelo, there, there's several guys that fight in Canelo's camp, including Ryan Garcia, right? They train with Eddie Reynoso. And I think Canelo would be more than happy to have those guys fight on an undercard. I don't know if Eddie Reynoso would want that because he couldn't focus as much on one fighter. But I think that Canelo would be cool with bringing guys up along with him. I haven't seen anything uh, to suggest otherwise, but. We're running. This calls over eight minutes, bro. I gotta cut it short, man. I'm keeping the calls at five minutes, brother. So call in next week, man. And who am I talking to, by the way? I didn't get your name. Anthony. Anthony. Yeah, call back, man. All right. Yeah. That's a good name, man. That's my brother's name. All right. uh, Let's get a couple more. Wow, you guys keep calling. You're killing me. (laughs) All right. Hey, man. You guys call. I gotta take them. We just gotta keep them quick, okay? Eight one eight. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, what's up, man? I, I heard you talking about the Caleb Plant uh, undercard being revealed. I looked it up, and I see Ray Vargas, who, who who was supposed to fight Gary Russell, but he's fighting some random guy. 
where, where the hell is Gary Russell, man? It's been like, what, two years and a half? Is this guy ever going to defend his belt, man? This, How this does he crazy, still have a bro. belt? And Leo, Leo Santa Cruz, too, man. That, that, that weight division is just being held hostage, man. Yep. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand Rick. I, I just don't get it, man. It, it's weird. Uh, I don't even, I only know Andre Durrell. Uh, I don't know who Marcos, Marcos Hernandez is. I know who Elvis is. I don't know who his opponent is. But this Ray Vargas fight, it, it just makes me, uh, I don't know, man. It, it just has me feeling a type of way because I've been waiting to see Gary fight all year. And I thought he was. And the opponent they talked about, well, the first opponent they talked about who, who they confirmed the fight with is fighting somebody else, man. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm just looking. Gary Russell Jr. last fought last February against Nyambar, King Tug. And so it's been what? Oh, yeah, the guy Colbert fought, right? Yeah, it's been a year and eight months, and he hasn't fought. So oh, how wow. does he still have that belt? Because it used to be you had to do a mandatory defense once a year. He hasn't fought. How does he still have that belt? And you mentioned Santa Cruz. He's still got a WBA belt. That doesn't make any damn sense. I don't get yeah, it, bro. Exactly. I don't get it. At 126. Right. So Santa Cruz hasn't defended that belt in three years, I believe. Yeah, it's it, ridiculous. It's time to move on, man. These guys are... I think you mentioned it earlier in the show. These guys are getting up there in age, man. It looks like we got to, as fans, we got to move on from these guys that don't want to perform or they don't want to work anymore. It's over. They got their, they got their big paydays, man. If they don't want to fight anymore, they need to, you know, step, step to the side and let the new guys take over. I, I feel you, man, 100%. And some of this is on the fans. I mean, let's say Gary Russell shows up next year and fights Javante Davis because they're eventually going to do that fight. You know, that's going to go pay-per-view, and it's up to fans to say, no more of this bullshit. I'm not buying it. But fans buy it. Yeah. They're going to keep doing it. So, you know. I I, I feel like the straw should be uh, Devontae Davis versus uh, that, that kid, Rolando Romero. That's, I've yeah. watched some of that Rolando Romero kid fight, man. That kid isn't even a prospect, man. This is this is like Canelo fighting uh, – uh, a yield room. Actually, this might even be worse than Canelo fighting yeah. yield room. I, I'm not really even sure. That's a good comparison, it, it, though. That's it, that. You're right. That's a really good comparison. That's pretty much what this will be, and it will be on pay per view. That's crazy. Yeah. See, at least like Canelo fight, we we got some nice prospects on, on that undercard or something, you know. And it yeah. was on the zone, which is like what twenty bucks. I didn't really care, you know. I'll buy the year for the zone, but this ninety bucks. Yeah. And then you have Javante Davis fighting. A guy that's not even a prospect. He's not even, you know, not even a top prospect. There's like no indications this guy could be something later on. It, it, I don't know, man. It's it's crazy, man. But uh, Riley Romero talks a lot of shit on Twitter. And there's people out there that are like yeah. into the, like, the beef, which we all know is bullshit anyway. They're just saying that stuff. But yeah. uh, people it, eat that shit up, man. They eat it up, man. It, it, it's yeah, like yeah. WWE. I, I don't understand, but they, they they love it, so they're gonna keep doing it. Yeah, fight yeah, back with your wallet, it, bro. Yeah, I feel it's, it, yeah I, I, you know what, man? With that, I, I did some research. I found out he was managed by the same guy. And I was like, oh, this beast and everything. It's all it's all manufactured, man. Absolutely. It's that's telling this kid to call him out. Call him out. You're gonna get a payday. Trust me. Call him out. You have a chance. Uh, whatever, man. Hopefully, at least the undercard is decent. I hope, but I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> yeah, man. If they were real, they would they would have like a, a contender on uh, as the co-main. 
yeah. like a real prospect that could challenge Tank. And, you know, we, we have a good fight. They have like, but, or even somebody like Jerron Ennis on there. Um, I don't know. Guys like Devin yeah, Haney, like all the names him. we're talking about. Like, those guys should be on the undercard. Build them up. But, you know, they're not going to do that. Yeah, uh, it feels like a waste of my time because Andre Jarrell, I think he had been inactive for like a while before he fought this year, actually. So, and his last fight was, it was pretty lackluster. I, I don't even really get, I don't know. This is bullshit, man. Boxing is so, boxing is so lazy and they take advantage of the fans, man. I agree, brother. I agree. I didn't want to hold you up, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. All right, we got a couple more. Oh, damn, I didn't get his name. Damn, bro. Sorry, I didn't get your name, man. Um, all right, let's jump. We got our first UK caller of the night, 741. What's going on? Hey, Mike. Hey, Dan. Lawrence from London. Lars. Is it Lars? Lawrence. Lawrence. Sorry about that. Lawrence, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah. How you been? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, how are you? Good, man. Good. You got five minutes. The floor um, is yours. Go. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm not. I'm won't take up the whole five minutes. I don't think. But first, first, I meant to call you months ago to talk about how you did this. The show where you were talking about how our boxing fans like the beating down. Um boyfriend of this terrible girlfriend. Oh yeah. And yeah. Like well, at what point do we get off the <laughs> get off the train and say, no, it's not for me no more. Right. Up on that, one, guys, are we willing to admit we've been the bad person as well? Are we willing to admit that like hated us? It always said we were terrible. We've also been the on the other side of that that argument. I know you have Mike. I know you have. Everybody has. Uh <laughs> and the other point I was going to make is on that is that I wanted to tell you before you had your fight but that's like having a baby with a bad girlfriend now you're in it for life now you've like tasted your own blood been in the ring had a, like a great scrap I watched it on YouTube it was a fantastic fight you should say Thank I like your range and stuff Thank you um, now that you've done that, there's no going back, Mike. You've done it. You're, it, it, you're married to her for life. You're <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> there's, there's nothing that can, uh, can um, break you apart, really. You're, you're always going to be at least uh, attached in one way or another. So it's true. Sorry to tell you, you're going <laughs> to uh, be having to deal with this, this trash forever. Yeah, um, pretty much. The, uh, <laughs> you can't turn over if there's boxing on that's it you're, yep. you're committed now yep. um, the other point I was going to make uh, I didn't listen to the earlier part of your show so I might be repeating Usyk is the number one heavyweight in the world I've been extremely frustrated with the accolades that Tyson Fury has been getting after beating Wilder it was a, it was a really good fight in terms of entertainment but the school level was like awful I've yeah. seen white collar fights that have fought at a higher skill level mm-hmm. I've heard people comparing him to like the top 15 top 20 heavyweights ESPN oh 
is he the greatest heavyweight of all time? And I'm extremely frustrated by it because it doesn't do due service to the people that came before. Uh, I feel like um, we need to pause, let him fight, encourage him to fight the fights that he needs to fight. If he cleans out the division, then he's in the conversation. But until then, I just think we're jumping the gun and it allows fighters to say that they're great and get the payday and not really do their job. Completely agree. I've been I've been yelling it and screaming it as loud as I can on on social media, on Twitter, on my show, uh, taking heat for it, of course. But there are people comparing Tyson Fury to Muhammad Ali, Joe Lewis. That is just ridiculous. People need to slow down. He beat Deontay Wilder. That's it. You know, like slow down. Do you think that's because we don't get the fights we want as often as we want them? And so it's sort of a yeah. vicious cycle of hyping. I think that's part of it. I, I, it, it. And this is not unique to boxing. I think it's every sport. But I think boxing's worse uh, than most sports mm-hmm. with this. But um, it seems that the media now is just to get the the big story is so desperate to make everything the the biggest, most important story ever. You know, every, all news is breaking, breaking news. When I grew up, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 42. And I think of like this, the space shuttle challenger explosion, that was breaking news. Um, Things like that, you know, the Columbine shooting here in America, that was the first real big school shooting. That was breaking news, right? Of course, 9-11, things like that. Now, a kid gets stuck in a tree breaking news you know a kid's stuck in a tree the fire department has to come get him it's just everything you know there's a thunderstorm breaking and so i think that's part of it man it's you know we used to have a 24-hour news cycle and now it's truncated to like a 20-minute news cycle it's just about clicks and so that's part of it yeah 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 no that's a great point i I do think it it helps the promotion to, yeah, you know, say it's the greatest of all time or whatever. Same with Javon Sars, same with several other fighters we can think of. Um, to say it's the greatest of all time, legendary fighter, and when they've done nothing to qualify as that. Uh, yeah, my, I, I, I suppose it doesn't come from fight fans, but it seems very loud. Um, so we, we've got to do our best to say, no, please fight other top fighters in order to get your greatness. I completely agree with you. It's up to the fans. It's up to the media. Um, have to demand more. The problem is if you're a fan, um, yeah, fans can fight with their wallet. You know, that you guys actually have the most power. But a guy like me in media, yeah. I've lost out from jobs. I've lost out from uh, awards that I should have won, jobs I should have had, gigs I should have had because of the stand I've taken, they want yes men, you know? So that's why I created my own little Island that I operated and I'm, I'm good with that, but um, we're, we're past six minutes, brother. So I gotta let you go, Lawrence. I'm oh, keeping them at five yeah. minutes, my man. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. Have a great night. Good All right, we're going to take one last call. This is from Nacho. We're going to wrap it up with Nacho. Then we're going to go. All right, guys. All right. Nacho. You got five minutes, my friend. Kill it. Um, Mike, I just wanted to talk about the best fight of the weekend. 
the whole Navarrete Gonzalez fight. Um, that was great uh, back and forth action. Um, the only thing I had an issue with was Gonzalez. Uh, Navarrete had to fight off not only Gonzalez, but he also had to fight off Ray Corona. Uh, that was ridiculous. Uh, he allowed Gonzalez to completely hit below the belt like more than six times mm. and only warned him twice the entire night. And then <clears throat> he was also hitting him kind of towards the back of the head and really didn't do much. And then in one of the in one of the times he did hit him below the belt, he actually uh, dropped Navarrete. And Corona had the nerve to say, if you don't get up, I'm going to deduct a point from you. And I was like, what That's the right. hell is this guy doing? Like, like, what kind of ref is this that you're going to try to penalize the guy who got fouled instead of the guy who did it? Like, that makes absolutely no sense. But I thought Navarrete put on a really good performance, um, taking out a, a guy who basically wasn't there to basically roll over in Gonzalez. And he put on a, um, you know, a hell of a performance. But Navarrete was just too too uh, strong and, and just too active for Gonzalez. And I think eventually Gonzalez will get a belt at some point. It just wasn't meant to be against a guy like, uh, Navarrete, that's for sure. Um, and then you were talking about Santillan on the co-feature. Uh, he was great. Um, I think the only thing that's missing with him is actual one-punch knockout power. power. If he had that, yeah. that kid would be legitimate yeah. uh, a contender at 47. Um, that's really the only thing he's missing. He does everything else really well. And if he if he had power, he would just be unbelievable. But that was a a, a good win for him, and I wouldn't mind seeing him back again um, at some point on the air against somebody, uh, you know, with a name. Hopefully next time. Um, and then uh, I'm gonna make my prediction for this weekend's fight, Mike. I, like you said earlier, they're completely disrespecting him, and I think that's gonna light a fire under him, and I think that's really gonna force him to to go out there and get get him. I'm picking Herring to win this weekend against Stevenson. You're on the record. Um, I'm going to pick. Yeah, I'm going to pick him to win a decision like probably eight to four. I think he's going to wow. go out there and he's going to prove a lot of these uh, people wrong. I just, I think honestly, Stevenson is a lot of smoke and mirrors, Mike. I haven't seen anything lately that made me think that he's beaten anybody that was good enough to to convince me otherwise right now at this point. And I think Herring is probably going to be the first real legitimate test that he's going to take on uh, his career. So um, I can't wait to to see what he does this weekend. And, um, yeah, and that's my call, Mike. Cool. Good stuff, Nacho. Have a good night, man. Okay. Good, man. All right. So there's a few of us po- that – are picking herring. So there's a few of us, myself, Nacho, a couple of you guys on the chat that uh, are going with the upset special. So we'll see what happens. All right. Good show, guys. And like I said, look for my advance, my interview with uh, Jamel Herring later in the week. And then my fight week coverage at ringtv.com for the big fight this weekend in Atlanta. Great show. I love you guys. And I'll see you.